Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Internet Radio. This program is being pre-recorded for Friday, August 13th, 2021. Right now, it is actually early Friday morning, or, or mid-afternoon, I should say. And once again, we have our good friend, Dr. Michael Hill here from the League of the South. Michael Hill is the president of the League of the South, an organization of which I've been a member since 2017, and the experience has been worthwhile, and I pray that we continue to succeed in our goals. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. Dr. Hill, I'm sorry it's been four months now since we've spoken. I didn't realize that much time has slipped by, but thank you for being here once again. Oh, Bill, it's always my pleasure to be with you. And that four months has slipped by in a hurry. Uh, time flies, as I say. Yes, sir. I gather the busier you are, the faster it goes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I know that we have a conference, a national conference coming up next month in, in central Alabama. And, and I'm sure that you want to speak about that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to uh uh, inform your listeners a little bit about what we got going on. Uh, this is our annual conference. It's going to be in uh, Atauga County, Alabama, which is almost right in the center of the state. Um, we have a uh, nice little place in a, in a small community there called Pine Level, Alabama. The community center, uh, uh, very friendly folks around there to us, uh, unlike the, the big cities. Birmingham to the north and Montgomery to the south. We're at an hour, uh, our territory with our people. And we've got a really good lineup of speakers. Uh, expect a, a good crowd there. And uh, it's going to be the uh, 10th and 11th of September, which is a Friday and a Saturday. And uh, you can find uh, details about it, uh, the, the agenda, the speakers. Uh, and all, and information about lodging, uh, other things, at our website, which is uh, leagueofthesouth.com. And uh, if you want to talk to me and ask me specific questions, uh, you go to the website, uh, leagueofthesouth.com, and you can email me or get our number and call me. Uh, I'd be glad to to answer whatever questions you had about the conference, and we hope some of the Listeners out there will uh, will be there. Uh, I think you and your sweet wife Melissa are going to be there, and uh, we'll we'll uh, we always have a good time. We always have good speakers and uh, interesting uh, interesting subjects to discuss, and uh, a lot of friendships have been made at these meetings, and uh, I expect the same will continue this year. And uh, we're just really looking forward to to having this. We we weren't able to have our national conference last year because of all the uh, confusion and all about this virus or whatever you want to call it, but we're back in the saddle again this year and ready to go. So, um, get, you know, check out our website, give me a call, whatever. Uh, you can register at the door. You don't have to register in advance as casual, uh, casual dress. Uh, so hope some of your listeners will come join us. Yes, sir. I pray so. It, it's, Opportunities such as this are instrumental in, in not only exhibiting unity or, or cementing our 
objectives, but also in fostering the development of our communities and our relationships with other like-minded Southern nationalists. Absolutely, it is. There is there is no substitute for face-to-face contact with people. You know, we, we have a lot of contacts uh, on the internet, social media, things like that, and I'm, I'm certainly not downplaying those, but they're uh, there are no contacts like face-to-face contacts, and this is an opportunity to, you know, look your compatriots in the eye and, and uh, discuss things with them and make plans with them and cooperate with them because it's going to take this sort of cooperation for us to to survive and thrive in a world that would like to see us all dead. Absolutely, and and in a world of the Internet, no matter how long you know somebody online, I've there are people I've known for 10, 12 years online that I've never met. You don't really start to yeah. know people until you meet them in person. No, that's right. I enjoy, uh, you know, sitting down uh, after hours and having a drink with some of these folks that I've, I've met uh, on the Internet or social media, but I haven't met in person. And it really kind of, uh, you know, cements uh, your friendship like that when you can sit down and talk eye to eye, face to face, have a drink with someone like that. And it just, there's no substitute for it. So um, that's one reason we encourage not only our members, but those who are interested in the League of the South and what we stand for to be there and meet some of our folks, some of our officers and, and members, and just have a good time with us for the weekend. Listening to a speech in person is a lot more informative and a much better experience than merely listening to a podcast. I, I have to admit that. Yeah, absolutely. Podcasts are great because, you know, we can't, we can't be with each other all the time because, you know, we live in different areas, have our jobs and families and all to, to tend to, but, and podcasts and, and things like that are very valuable, but they shouldn't be the end, uh, be all and end all of our relationships with one another. We need to, you know, have that human contact. Right. The type of things that I do, the um, biblical commentaries and things like that belong in co- podcasts. They're better off in podcasts, but to, to listen to the type of speakers we have in, at the League of the South conferences, it's much better to listen in person and, and to see them in person. And I hope that some of our listeners do show up, and that would be wonderful. They could register for the event at the door. There's a fee for the event. I believe it's $50, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, it's $50 for an individual, $75 for a couple, or $100 for a family, and that's husband and wife and uh, however many kids you want to bring. So um, that that covers everything, you know, and... uh, that, that's for two we, days. Uh, we just look forward to a good crowd. That, that's for two days, and it pays for the speaker's expenses. It pays for the facility and, and the cleaning of the facility and a whole lot of other things, and, and it's well worth it. I mean, people jack off $100 for a couple in four hours at an amusement park. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, we, we have to pay, uh, to pay for the uh, travel of the speakers, their lodging. Right. Um, you know, the building, we have to pay a fee for the building, although it's a reasonable fee and things that we have to pay a little bit for, for security. And we will have security uh, on the inside and outside of the building and the parking lot because we, we've never, this will be the second time that we've had the national conference at this venue. And the first time in 2019, 
we had a lot of threats from Antifa and Black Lives Matter to show up, but this place is out in the country, and that is not Antifa and Black Lives Matter territory. And uh, we, we're on good relations with the sheriff's department there, so uh, we, we should have a, a secure venue, a secure parking lot, so no worries about that. We don't let people in just, you know, taking taking pictures left and right. We restrict the ability to do that because some people are worried about being doxxed at an event like this. We we have these these things taken care of. Well, that's wonderful. It, it's I think it's good that if we're inviting people to a conference, and I pray that at least some of our listeners show up, that they know what to expect. So that's important. Yeah. Exactly. We, we, um, there'll be a lot of good there'll be a lot of good CI folks there. Yes, there will. There's a lot of great CI people in the league. There's a lot of great people in the league yeah. that aren't CI yet. But there's <laughs> that's <laughs> right. <laughs> but there right. are a lot of good CI people in the league. <laughs> the, the, that's right. I, I was I, I was browsing the League of the South dot com website over the last few days. I, I noticed a month or two ago that you had a, a flurry of articles, both new articles and republished old articles that are still just as relevant today as when they were published, perhaps 8, 10, 12 years ago, some of them. And, and I've noticed that I'm quite far behind in, in catching up on that. Being a member of the League of the South, I should actually be up on its literature, right? So <laughs> I hope all our members are. <laughs> well, it takes a while. I'm... It takes a while to get up on it because I've written a lot of stuff over the last twenty five years. Right. Well well that's great. It it's but some of these articles that you published ten and twelve years ago are certainly still relevant today. And and I'll get to one of those momentarily. First I, I thought you might want to speak about Charlottesville. I I noticed a few days ago that you had published Charlottesville after four years and and or Charlottesville four years after I believe it was titled and most of it at least was a reprint of the first article you wrote detailing the League of the South's response to Charlottesville four years ago that all of that is still just as relevant after reflecting on this for four years yeah that's uh, I, I read it because uh, I wanted to post something uh, uh, from, you know, the last, uh, four years and, uh, regarding Charlottesville, I went back and read that. I said, this is perfect. I'll just, uh, I'll just republish this and, uh, let people go back and see what our thoughts were that were fresh. I, I think I wrote this about a week after Charlottesville actually. So all the events were fresh in my mind at that time. And, uh, I would encourage people to go, uh, go read that, uh, on the league website uh, it's, uh, what you can do is you can click on news and I think, uh, just type in Charlottesville and it'll bring the article up. Um, but yes, uh, you know, we're set to, uh, we're set to go to, go to trial. Uh, I believe it's the 25th of October is when the trial begins. And I think it lasts, uh, supposed to last three or four weeks. There are like about two dozen, two dozen defendants, including my chief of staff, Michael Tubbs and I as well as the league itself. So uh, we're just uh, we're just biding our time and uh, kind of getting our, our defense ready and waiting uh, and praying to Yahweh, of course, for justice. 
and see what happens. And, and, and he's given us a little bit of a, a foretaste, I hope, of his justice here. The, the, lead, uh, the lead counsel against us for the plaintiffs is this uh, lesbian Jewess from New York, Roberta Kaplan. And she, uh, she's kind of gotten herself in the news lately because she was, uh, she was ahead of this feminist organization that supposedly took up for women who had been sexually abused by predators like Harvey Weinstein and Governor Cuomo. Well, 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 what happened? They caught her having uh, written some kind of uh, letter in support of Governor Cuomo against the first woman who brought the sexual uh, uh, predator charges against him. So she's speaking out of one side of her mouth publicly, and privately she's helping all these leftist politicians and and, uh, people like uh, her fellow Jew, Harvey Weinstein, and she doesn't care. She doesn't care about women, apparently, unless they're Jew women. She certainly doesn't care about uh, uh, white women. I think she's proven that. But she's gotten herself in a bit of trouble over this. And I pray that Yahweh will deepen the hole that she falls into. A lot of these lesbian women, to me, seem very callous towards normally oriented women if i should call them straight mm-hmm. women right and, and yeah. the, these I, I noticed hillary clinton i i had a video several years ago of hillary clinton who one of her claims to fame was getting a rapist a man who who raped a young girl he, she got him off the hook by misportraying purposely misportraying the young girl's character in the trial mm-hmm. court and and she had this girl slandered as a whore and and all kinds of terrible things when in fact it was just a young innocent girl that was raped and hillary was laughing about that she knew she was lying but she was laughing about it 15 20 years later she was laughing about it mm-hmm. that these uh yeah it, it, exactly that uh, uh, that's common behavior on the part of these people they're actually demonic, these people. But the, yes, the media... That, that, is a, that is a hallmark of demon. Right. And, and the media, because it's also run by demons, very rarely shows the true side of these people. That's right. It, it purposely suppresses it. Bill Gates recently That's came right. out, though, apologizing for being a friend of Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> for years. <laughs> I saw that headline today. I didn't read the article, but I saw the headline. <laughs> and and it's certainly they're oh, all yeah, in the well, same yeah, crew. Apparently had a, an attack of conscience here. Uh, you know, I'm sure Epstein was still alive, or he may be alive, but he's not around in public. I'm sure Bill Gates is still be hanging out with him. Absolutely. And Donald Trump, I'm sure. And Trump, and Trump too, exactly. So I'm, I'm not going to let him off the hook either. But we do have some good news, and 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 one of your other articles. I, I noticed this back in January, and I think that we spoke, we discussed it here. But when I found the local Republicans in Bay County, Florida, that many of them were actually openly speaking of secession. But that was in the fervor that followed the Biden election. However, it seems that it's still, it it hasn't lost its its steam. This train 
that these Republicans that that are becoming pro-succession, and and you just publish an article support rises for succession. It seems like we mm-hmm. are going mainstream. I don't know if you want to discuss that. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I would always uh, want to discuss that because I'm I'm very heartened by the numbers. Uh, you know, I always take polls with a, with a little grain of salt. But I think that they do tell you some things, and this is not some fly-by-night uh, poll. It's, it's one from an organization that's been out there for a while. 66% of Southern Republicans uh, expressed a support, support for state secession. That is amazing. That is more than amazing. It's almost unbelievable. But uh, I think, um, I think the, the corner has been turned on this issue, and I do believe that a lot of normal uh, Southerners, as well as other Americans, are beginning to realize that Washington, D.C. is uh, an albatross, to use an old literary uh, uh, thing here, uh, literary term, an albatross around our neck, and it's going to pull us down unless we get out from under it. And I, I think they're somewhat alarmed that the time is pretty short to be able to do this. Uh, you know, we, we, we discussed uh, before we came on the air today, the, the inflation numbers and those are, if the truth was known, the rate of inflation would be dramatic, much more dramatic than it is. And it's dramatic enough in itself. I think I saw this morning that uh, comparing last July with this July, there was like between a seven and eight percent inflation rate between prices last year at this time in this year for for the month of July. That is amazing. The largest increase year over year since they've been keeping records. And you know that they've underestimated the numbers, Bill. Yes, it's, sir. Uh, it's probably twice that. It's probably twice that. Probably fifteen percent. But it, uh, if the government is willing to admit that we've got that big of an inflation and uh, economic problem, then imagine what it really is. And I think people are beginning to know that. I I was discussing, we were discussing automobile prices, new car prices before the Mm -hmm. program. And I noticed that certain Ford pickup trucks from last year to this year, the new models that are being announced this year, their prices are up. 20%, 20%, some of them, some of the models, That's 20% amazing. in one year. That's amazing. I noticed yeah. other automobiles have gone up, their prices have gone up as much as 30% in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And 30% yeah. in five years is a significant increase above the normal, if you want to consider inflation normal, the normal inflation rate that they've always discussed of 2 or 3%, right? A 30% yeah, increase right. in five years is incredible. So it's they've been in denial about inflation maybe for 15 years now they've been in denial. But I finally noticed yeah. in the last week or so, and, and perhaps I'm just late on the news because I don't really watch the news that closely, that CNBC and certain other outlets are actually admitting that there is a great deal of inflation right now. And they're saying that it's a good thing because wages will go up also. 
yeah, right. Yeah, wages wages will go up maybe a little bit, but they won't keep up with the cost of living increases. Well, well the truth uh, is that my wife. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, so I was just wa- most wife, people on fixed uh, incomes, their wages don't go up at all, and and that counts most of our retirees and 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 many others. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was going to say that my wife, uh, a couple of years ago, she was going to to the grocery store once a week, and it was just just me and her, you know, and she was spending like seventy five, eighty dollars at the grocery store. Now, to buy the same amount of food, she's spending between one hundred and twenty five and one hundred and thirty five dollars. That's not quite a one hundred percent increase, but it's it's somewhere around seventy five or eighty percent increase. And this is the same supermarket, Publix supermarket, which I'm sure y'all are familiar with down in Florida. Uh, almost a 75 or 80% increase in just basic food products. And we don't buy that much because we produce a lot of our own food. But the stuff we have to buy, you know, coffee, you know, stuff that we can't produce ourselves, uh, you know, it's, it's almost double what we were paying for it two years ago. And that's basic stuff, groceries, you know. Absolutely. The prices have, there has been incredible inflation the last few years, and they just have ignored it. And, and this is another indication, in, in my opinion, of the fact that people only believe what they see on television. So they're all wearing masks, yeah. and, and they're all in fear of COVID, but they're oblivious to inflation, even though it affects them personally every day. They're oblivious to it because they don't hear it in the media. Or at least they have Absolutely, Bill. That's it. But I'm telling you, they, the, the media and the powers that be can't keep this, this covered up for much longer because uh, the rates of inflation, the rates of price increases, and in some cases, scarcity of certain items is going to be out there for everybody to see, and they won't be able to cover it up. So I think they're trying to get ahead of the curve a little bit on the mainstream media and start talking about it. But they should have been talking about it, as you said, 10 or 15 years ago, and certainly five years ago when it really started uh, in earnest. But they, they, they're not going to be able to cover that up much longer. And these are, uh, these are things that are, are going to affect everybody. And this is why I think you're going to see a continued increase in the support for drastic measures, political measures like secession. We can do better on our own. We don't, you know, the, these people are misgoverning us uh, in, in uh, such a dramatic way that it, it's not hard now to convince people that, you know, anything would be better than being ruled by this gaggle of, uh, of criminals uh, on the Potomac up in D.C. Well, I believe in, inflation is their way of cashing in on their usury because they're able to confiscate a lot of real property when a lot of disadvantaged people go into default or, or a lot of, I, I don't want to call them poor because they, they, they live on debt, but a lot of this property is confiscated. Homes are confiscated. Vehicles are confiscated because yeah. people can't afford to pay for them. Sure. That's right. And that's been the plan all along. That's why there, that's why there's always uh, since, well, since the uh, institution of the federal reserve in 1913, You've seen these booms and busts in the economy, huge swings in inflation and, you know, some occasionally a deflationary period. Uh, but it's all done to 
uh, allow them to strip assets out of the economy right. uh, at the expense of, of, of just average working and middle class people. And they do that, and they're getting wealthier, and we're getting poorer. Right. Large amounts of property, both personal, private property, and commercial property, especially commercial exactly. property, changes hands yeah. whenever it is a, a bus cycle or an inflationary cycle in the economy. Yeah, that's right, and that's why we have those things. You know, we we did not have these wild swings in the economy and the in the value of the dollar and in inflation rates and like and like that before the advent of the Fed. And of course, they they sold the idea of the Fed for just the opposite reason to keep the economy stable. Well, it's been nothing but a destabilizing element. And that's what it was intended for, so they could uh, loot the economy periodically. And we're talking mainly here about Jews and we're in their their non non Jew uh, allies, uh, white white race traders, as I call them. So. Well, well, it seemed to me in, in the headlines the last couple of weeks, the last week or so, that CNBC is trying to in, sell the people the concept that inflation might be a good thing for them. And, and <laughs> so, so the propaganda is ahead of the curve because there's not a lot of talk of inflation in the media yet, but there has to be. It's inevitable. It, it's going to begin yeah, happening. Yeah, there, there will have to be. Or perhaps I just haven't yeah, seen yeah. a lot of it yet because I am not really that in touch with the media. I have to admit that. But you can't miss the headlines. New York Times. No, I check the headlines just, just to see what they're talking about. New York Times, 18 hours ago, in an opinion piece, an op-ed, don't let inflation anxiety undermine our future. Inflation risks <laughs> lead... Biden to shift economic messaging two hours ago. The Hill, the new inflation, don't expect food or gas prices to fall anytime soon. 34 minutes ago. Now, we know that the gas prices have gone up incredibly since Biden took office, but that's just the natural result of Democratic energy policy. As far as I'm concerned, the gas prices would have went up 50 percent whether or not there was inflation in the rest of the economy. Uh, so, yeah, but you add inflation on to that that, right. that reason, and you are going to see gas prices explode eventually. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it $4 a gallon uh, here in the South uh, by this time next year. Well, well the, the rise in gas prices also, and, and you're right about $4 a gallon. I, I'm, I'm surprised it's not 5 but you're right about and 4 it and it's been 4 in the past. In, in the Clinton administration, towards the end of it, I believe. Right. Or maybe it was the right. beginning of the Obama administration. I'm sorry. It, it was 2008, 2009, 2010. It was $4 a gallon. It peaked at just mm. over $4 a gallon. Of course, some states, low-tax states like Alabama, it might have been a little lower. But this, yeah, it was, it was getting close to $4 a gallon when Obama took office, even here in Alabama. And we're a very low uh, gas tax state. Right. I saved 25 cents a gallon going over the Alabama border. The only problem is that it's a little too far away to drive there for gas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> By the time I get there and back, I'm, I'm just out of reach of saving any money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've used up, you've burned up your profits. 
on a more on, on, on a more serious note for us, I, I mean, the inflation is inevitable. It's just the result of the government printing. And I know they don't print it conventionally like they used to do. There's no conventional printing of money except for a very small portion of the dollars that are generated into the economy every year. Only a very small portion of them are actually printed on a printing press. But inflation is the result of how much money is in the economy. And, and with government spending just off the chain, it's off the hook. And the, the people of the several states are, are going to be indebted forever, paying off this debt that these, this criminal enterprise in Washington just cranks out year after year. And, and the money... The, the billions of dollars that they throw at nefarious objectives, it, it, it gets more and more blatantly evil, and they don't care about the taxpayers they're going to have to foot the bill. They just don't. No, it's, because the taxpayers, no, the taxpayers uh, until, this, uh, until now, and including now, have been rather toothless. Uh, you know, they complain, we complain a lot about it, but we haven't been able to do much about it. Um, there, there are some, there are some alternatives, uh, to, to just sitting by and taking this, but, uh, they, they are, I think they are purposefully trashing the economy in order to bring misery to the people it's going to hurt the most. And that is the productive classes, uh, the white working and middle class, the non, non-white classes of welfare recipients, they're going to be okay, uh, because the government will keep on creating enough money to keep them from destroying the cities they live in. And the rest of us out here are going to have to fend for ourselves. And that's, I think that's going to be a catalyst for white racial solidarity because whites are clearly the, the target of this economic warfare. And that's what it is. Uh, and our people are beginning to realize it. And they, that will cause us to have to band together out of necessity in small towns and rural communities. And I'm very optimistic about that, Bill, because we can produce our own food. It's just kind of like the old Hank Williams Jr. song, A Country Boy Can Survive. That may become a reality, you know. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that it is because that means that this system will be on the verge of crashing, and we don't need to lift a finger to keep it from crashing. Let it crash and let us build something from the ashes. Well, sir, I just hope I could catch some bass in that river behind my house instead of just catfish. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'd rather have something with uh, scales and scales on it than something without. So. Yes, sir. This yeah, this I'm not, a, just, I'm not a big catfish fan. I would agree. I, I'm not either. In in fact, I haven't eaten it since the nineties. <laughs> This leads us to, to um, what, what I, I thought would be the, the lengthiest topic that we would, to put it like that, that we would discuss here this evening is your reprint, your republication of an article that was written in 2012, I believe. I, I don't know if you updated this. I had nothing to compare it to. But on August 4th, you reprinted this, ar this article, The Real Domestic Terrorists, and it's a 2012 article, but it's just as relevant today and maybe even more so than it was in 2012. 
And I, I thought it would be worthwhile speaking of that. Okay. That this um it, it seems that certain elements within the US Congress have become obsessed now with the notion that any advocacy for whites is terrorism. That it is that advocacy for whites is funded from nefarious overseas sources and that it is spread all over the internet and they desire to stamp it out completely. When the Patriot Act, I was in, I, I was in prison. When the Patriot Act was passed, I didn't have any access to be able to read it. So in subsequent years, I just never bothered. How much of the language found in this this new defense bill, this it, it's titled the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021. Now, you had written about the National Defense Authorization Act, which was passed by the Congress in 2012, and that was the basis right. for your article. I didn't know or was never bothered to find out how much language was in the 2012 act concerning white identity terrorism i don't know but today even mainstream republicans and trump supporters are being considered terrorists by certain members of congress and now these members of congress represent the majority in of the democrats in in the house of representatives Yes, and I think uh, in the long run, that's going to be a good thing for us because, again, it, it, it separates our people, normal, hardworking people, productive people, who are now being called terrorists because they are merely white. And these people might, you know, they, they might be a little late off the starting line, as it were, but once they realize the end game of this, I think they're going to have no other alternative than to side with other whites and to say, no, we don't accept this. Just because we're white and we advocate for our own families and our own people first for our own self-interest does not mean that we are terrorists. We are the descendants of the people who founded this country, and they founded it for us. And I think it's going to polarize this situation, which needs to happen. And I don't know what the outcome of that polarization is going to be, Bill, but we can't keep on this road that we're on right now because it's leading to white genocide and white extinction if whites do nothing. And I think they're the enemy in their over-exuberance uh, and self-confidence are... Uh, stretching uh, a little bit too far, uh, going uh, so far as to begin to alarm a lot of whites who otherwise probably wouldn't think too much about anything that was going on outside their family, their workplace, their church, whatever. They're, they're now uh, perking their ears up and, and listening to Jews and, and, and uh, other race, race, white race traders who support the Jews call them domestic terrorists. And these people are, you know, the salt of the earth, Bill. You know that. Absolutely. They're anything but domestic terrorists. They're, they're just normal people trying to live their lives. Just the average normal rural Republican that 
that voted for Trump and owns a shotgun is now a domestic terrorist. Yes, it's incredible. Yes, exactly. And it, it, it is incredible. But once these people realize what the end game of this is, they're going to have no choice but to join forces with people like us or they're going to perish. Well, well, we exist to, to warn people like them because we saw it going on long before it became apparent today. That's exactly right. We exist to provide a doorway for them to walk through when they get disgusted with what's going on around them and they realize that that is the path to their very own survival and prosperity is banding with other like-minded whites to fight back literally fight back against uh, this uh, attempt at white genocide. And that is exactly what it is. It's an attempt at white genocide. Well, absolutely. That these, well, well, in preparation for this discussion, I had read over the titles of each section. I just scanned them all lo- looking for certain information that would clue me off as to what was in this act because it's like i don't know it's like 16 or 1700 paragraph sections i believe it's huge piece of paper i'm going to post a link to it in in when i when i post this presentation at christagenia this act is simply huge it it's 1480 pages in a pdf format and it has to do with all aspects of the defense budget. And that includes a lot of other government agencies folded into that. Yeah. So I'm looking over this act. And it was vetoed by Trump in January I, I, of this year. I don't know why Trump vetoed it. But it became law when Congress overrode the veto. And it was more or less a bipartisan Congress that overrode the veto and voted for this bill. There is not one word in this bill about the openly terrorist and communist Black Lives Matter movement. Not one word. There's not one word in this bill even about terrorist Antifa organizations, which are growing right now throughout Europe and America. And the Antifa in Europe is much bigger and more powerful and able to cause um, national defense disturbances than the Antifa in, in America, in spite of what transpired on the West Coast and in certain cities last year. The Antifa in Europe is much more bigger, much larger and more powerful. It, it, so, so these are clear threats. These groups are clear threats to domestic security and even security in other nations, yet they're ignored by this bill. They've burned down entire oh, yes, cities right. in America that they've taken capital centers in cities and declared them autonomous police-free zones and basically taken over territory in the United States, but they're not terrorists. There's not one mention of them in this bill. It's only no, white... You know why? Because these, these are the street troops of the establishment. Exactly. That they are the radicals for the establishment. Yes, they are. And, and when they say something in six months, Nancy Pelosi saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's incredible That's that it. people don't see this. And then, then after, 
Yeah, then after her, the Republicans are saying the same thing. How yeah, probably a year later, but yes, they are. Yes, sir. Because they're no mm-hmm. better than the Democrats. <laughs> it's two arms that's of the right. same they're beast. They're just a little slower. Well, that's conservatism, right? <laughs> that's it. That's conservatism. That that was a good point that you made in your speech at the Florida State League of the South Conference this month, that that's all the conservatives, and, and this has been said for a while in different ways, but that's all the conservatives ever conserve is last year's defeat to the progressives. That's it. The gains of the liberals is what the conservatives come up behind them and conserve. It's incredible. It's incredible it that people incredible. don't see the pattern because since the, the, the Reagan election, it's been absolutely manifest right in front of everybody's faces that conservatives yeah. have failed to conserve anything ever. That's right. Uh, you know, Reagan, Reagan is, is this big conservative icon, you know. He gave us the Martin Luther King holiday and he gave us amnesty. How about that? The biggest illegal immigrant illegal immigration amnesty up to his time yes that's right that's it three million was their estimate it was probably more like 30 it seems like it may have been closer to 30 really i know it's certainly much much more than three well well we know that the real terrorists are jewish identity terrorists but they are hiding behind their political and media dominance where they are able to speak openly about replacing whites while at the same time now they're enacting laws which are going to totally remove the ability of whites to counteract their planned genocide if we wish to stay within the law. That's what I was about to say. Uh, Those laws may not be obeyed, sir. I pray... I'd like to read just a few of these. It, it, this is incredible to me. I, I mean, it's not incredible, but it's incredible that it's so blatantly um, attacking white identity terrorists and, and the way they phrase that. When it doesn't mention any of the terrorists, the, the traditional terrorists of any other races, except for... Al-Qaeda and, and the, well, I, I forget the acronym, ISIS. They mention Al-Qaeda and ISIS, ISIS in, yeah. in this. And, and I think they just throw them into this bill as bogeymen <laughs> and in, in order good. to associate white advocacy with Al-Qaeda and ISIS. That seems to be what they've done That's here. exactly, that's the plan, exactly. So, so it's just making a straw man and, and labeling white advocates with the straw man. It, it's That's incredible. It. That this, an, an assessment, that this is the strategy, they call it, shall at a minimum contain the following. The strategy, and, and they're imposing this on the defense agencies to, and the Department of State, to maintain and implement this strategy. And it includes an assessment of the global threat from white identity terrorism abroad, including a geographic or country prioritization based on the assessed threat to the United States. Now, I don't know any pro-white groups abroad that are attacking America. They're more concerned with being overrun with Muslims in their own countries. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is it. I, I don't have they. Ha I don't think they have any resources or any care to attack the United States. Uh, it's incredible to me the way this is so blatantly worded, just so that they have license in the future to stamp out any advocacy for whites. And and that's where it seems to me that this is directed. Oh yeah, that's that's the end game. That they're looking for coordination mechanisms between relevant bureaus for developing and implementing efforts to counter white identity terrorism. In in the meantime, I don't know how many blacks were killed by the black. Black Lives Matter movement last year, but it was probably a much higher number than any white identity terrorist had killed in the last year. I, I don't. This is that. This is this is so. This is so ridiculous. It's yes. absurd, and it gets it, it gets a lot more absurd that they want to have their own. That they now they've already had this. That they've already had programs in place that implemented this one particular objective that I'm about to, to read off. They've had this for 20 years. I, I know they have. This is a description of how the department plans to build on any existing strategy developed by the Bureau for Counterterrorism to adapt or expand existing department programs, projects, activities, or policy instruments based on existing authorities for the specific purpose of degrading and delegitimizing the white identity terrorist movement globally. Now, now first, I didn't know a white identity terrorist movement even existed. I, I don't know that that exists. I, I never heard of it. So I don't, I, I couldn't imagine who they're referring to, sir, <laughs> except that I know that just the average white conservative today is considered a terrorist by the same people that wrote right. this bill. Yes, and they've, yes. they haven't said that in this bill, but they've said that in other venues on many other occasions. Right. They want to identify the need for any new department programs for, for that same purpose, for the specific purpose of degrading and delegitimizing the white identity terrorist movement globally, including a description of the steps and resources necessary to establish any such programs, projects, activities, or policy instruments, noting whether such steps would require new authorities. And 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 this goes on and on, but that they want to go after, that they want to degrade and delegitimize white identity terrorists. They're going to attempt to dehumanize us, right? Or, or to stage false flag events under our flags, under our names. Perhaps some future League of the South member or some future Christagenia Forum member or, or some other, maybe some The Right Stuff Forum member or, or anybody that's involved in anything white perhaps is going to conduct a mass shooting or, or some other act of violence, which we would not advocate, and it's going to be in our names, and that will serve to delegitimize us in the, in the eyes of all 
normal white people, right? Or, or all white people who are not yet awoken from our point of view. That this, I expect false flags to begin appearing because of this bill. Oh, of course. And, uh, you know, we, we already know that most of these uh, uh, operations uh, that the FBI uh, shuts down are ones that were started by the FBI themselves. You know, so this won't be anything new. They'll be funding these things. They'll be providing the uh, manpower for them, and then they'll all get blamed on us. Uh, it's the oldest trick in the book. Absolutely. Well, well, that's the only way I can and, see them delegitimizing groups like ours in the eyes of the public. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, th- th- this, this should be something that our, our people are smart enough to see through. But those who are, as you mentioned, are not awake yet and who still get their news from uh, the nightly TV news or the newspaper or something like that, they won't have a clue about what's really going on. But I do think that as long as we have an outlet uh, on the Internet, and that's kind of shaky from time to time, of course, but there are a lot of people who are getting their news there and who are not going to be fooled by this stuff, a growing number. So I really do, Bill. I'm optimistic. I think this is going to backfire like crazy on these people because most people realize that this is just a lot of BS and the real terrorist groups out there have nothing to do with normal white people. Absolutely. I agree, sir. And and I pray that that is why we are having this discussion today, so that people know that we're aware of it before it happens. Uh, yeah, it's, it, this, this is almost so simple. A, a grade school child uh, could figure it out. You know, it's, it's not very sophisticated. Absolutely. Uh, dress up like your enemy, carry his banners, go commit some act, uh, and you don't get charged. You know, you know, you get arrested, and you claim to be someone who, who you're not, and you go to court, and you get convicted, and then they send you to some, you know, Tel Aviv or, or, or some vacation spot for the rest of your life. And you don't get blamed, but we do. And that's uh, how the thing works. And I think a lot of people are just going to say, nah, we, we've seen this movie before. Uh, we're, we're not accepting it. So, well, well, I pray because we are certainly aware of it. And, and in, my, in, in my estimation, that's the quickest way and they've already followed that same modus operandi time and time again that's the quickest way to delegitimize and degrade white identity advocacy is by labeling us as terrorists by staging false flags and and i see that coming as a result of the policy spelled out in this bill which is now a law absolutely so yeah, they want to. This this should be a red flag to every white person out there that this is about to happen. That that's the way I see it. And and if it doesn't happen, well, that's good. I'm happy that nobody died because of some government false flag operation. 
But if it does happen, well, we're putting them on notice that we know that this is that they're it's their modus operandi. It's how they've always operated in the past. It, it's the Lusitania, the Gulf of Tonkin. It, it's just on a smaller That's scale, it. perhaps, or, or on a different scale and, and in a different method. But it's the same method of operation. That's right. Don't forget 9-11, too. 9-11 was the biggest one, sir. <laughs> Those Arabs well, didn't blow you know, those they, twin they towers up. They sacrificed 3,000 of their own people uh, just to get the Patriot Act passed. Yes. The Patriot Act. You know, I which never was got already a drawn read. up. Already drawn up and ready to go, by the way. You know that. Well, well, that's all of these bills. This bill is how many pages did I say it was? Like 1,600 or something? It's incredible. Yeah, about 1,600 pages. 1,480, I'm sorry. 1,480 pages, but it's small print. <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> uh, that the that this is, they, they just pull these things out of drawers, out, out of drawers whenever something happens. They pull one of these out of the drawer, and, and they insist it has to be passed to prevent that thing from happening again. And it never prevents disaster. Laws can't prevent well, it's disaster. Not, it's not meant, it's, no, absolutely, and it's not meant to. I mean, that's just the window dressing, you know? Right. Absolutely. This bill, it, it's, there's a few more points I'd like to make. It, it, they want to counter white identity terrorist messaging and support efforts to redirect potential supporters away from white identity terrorist content online. They want to expose foreign government support for white identity terrorist ideologies. I don't know any of us except well, there's one or two exceptions that we that get foreign support simply because we're advocates for white interests. And I don't, I mean, I'd love to be on a Russian payroll, but isn't that what they accuse Donald Trump of being, of, of getting support from Russia? When in fact, it's actually Joe Biden and Hunter Biner, Biden that get foreign support <laughs> for their, that their exploits. It's not us. It's it's nobody that I know personally. We're not being financed by the Russians. Uh, yeah, mo most of our support, uh, well, I should say all of our support comes from uh, our members and those uh, non-members who deem us worthy of writing us a check occasionally. Uh, we don't We don't get any support from any foreign governments. I think that's uh, that's a pretty, pretty clear thing. If you uh, examined our uh, bank account, you'd see that, that we're not getting a whole lot of money from any big sources, uh, mainly just working class, middle class white folks uh, who see us working uh, in their interest. And I'm grateful for that support, but we don't have any big sugar daddies and certainly not any foreign governments. And I'm not expecting that anytime soon. Well, well, if we did, we'd be flying around the country like Hunter Biden. But we wouldn't be driving eight uh, hours. <laughs> we wouldn't be driving eight hours. No, I, would, to... I wouldn't be driving it. Right. No, I, would, I wouldn't have driven down uh, uh, 10 hours to Florida in a 2006 vehicle. Uh, Absolutely. This weekend, if, if we had that kind of money, I'd have my own private jet and a private pilot. So. Right. But we well, don't have Biden, Russian support. You know. That that That's the world of hunter biden joe biden hillary clinton they have the russian support 
It, it's incredible. That that's yeah, like that's Jewish right. and, projection and, that they project on their enemies everything that they themselves do. But let, let me let me insert this here. You know, you're talking about this concern about foreign governments uh, supporting a white terrorist, white identity terrorist movement. What about the uh, what about all that uh, Israeli money that comes into America and influences American politics? Why does that always get swept under the rug, or, or you know, it just if it is discussed, it's oh well, that's just innocuous. That 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 really isn't uh, a hostile foreign power, not just a power that spies on you and gives your secret secrets to the communist Chinese, and you know, <laughs> no, God only knows what the Mossad has done on American soil. But you know, this this whole thing about holding up this. This uh, straw man, as you said, of, of white identity uh, politics as being domestic terrorism, that is a cover for the fact that the real problem in America today is not white supremacy, it's Jew, Jew supremacy. These people are using this as cover to cover one major fact, and that is just like they took over the government of, uh, in Tsarist Russia in 1917 and 1918, they're in the process of doing the same thing in America in 2021. And that is what they're trying to cover up and mask by directing people's attention to white supremacy instead of Jew supremacy. Sir, if there were white supremacy and white privilege in America, we would ban it being talked about. The fact that it's talked about constantly means there is no white privilege there is no white supremacy in America. There is only Jew supremacy. And they are trying to beat us over the head because they realize we are the only people who can stop them from taking over this country lock, stock, and barrel and instituting a new and very deadly communist regime in this country. And that would be their end game. That's the Bolshevik Revolution did it very quickly, but they've been working towards that in America in, in a very quiet fashion for at least the first 80 years. And, and, and this has gone on now ever since before the Bolshevik revolution that they were spreading communist uh, yes, ideology uh, amongst our politicians, at, at least from the time of Abraham Lincoln, who was imbued with it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, pe people don't realize uh, the connection between Lincoln and Marx. I just uh, published something on my Telegram channel this morning about uh, uh, Marx's letter of congratulations to Lincoln for his reelection in 1864. And they're talking like uh, bosom buddies, you know. Marx is uh, saying, you know, we're on the same side, we're on the same page in this world struggle, you know so on and so forth, uh, and people don't realize that the Republican Party has red roots. And uh, <laughs> so if white folks are dependent on the Republican Party to save them, forget it. Well, absolutely. That's absolutely true, and perhaps we could have that discussion in a future podcast, because that's something that it that is is not generally known amongst today's, even amongst today's white advocacy groups, white advocacy groups don't understand that connection of the birth of the well, Republican no, they Party. Don't. And if they did understand it, if they did understand it, it would show them exactly how few friends they have in Washington, D.C. Well, it's interesting. I have to mention this again. 
it, it's interesting that this bill, this section of this bill is titled Countering White Identity Terrorism Globally. And this strategy they lay out, which has many parts, in parts eight and nine, every other part has to do with white identity terrorism, except for parts eight and nine, where where it says, a description of how the department plans to implement this strategy in conjunction with ongoing efforts to counter the Islamic State, Al-Qaeda, and other terrorist threats to the United States. Now, now I didn't know that the members of Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State were white. Maybe I'm missing something. (laughs) Maybe we are. How are they white? How are they white? How does those two provisions, how do they belong in this bill? And and this is just like a Jew wrote this throwing the kitchen sink at all of the threats that the Jews perceive. Uh, yeah, that, that's what this whole thing is about. You, you, can, uh, you can pretty much define national security today within the United States, within the framework of the United States, as uh, countering whatever is a threat to Jew interest. And not, not, not Jew interest in, in, in the uh, false country named Israel, but Jew interest in, in the United States, as if the interest of the Jews was paramount in the United States and not the interest of the people who are descended from the founding stock. Um, this this should be alarming to white people. And I think if it's known to white people, it will be alarming to them. It's just that so many of our people are in the dark about what's really going on here. And the Jews have made it virtually impossible in polite company to talk about the problem because the problem focuses on them. And, of course, any mention of the Jew uh, in any negative way, is ipso facto anti-Semitism, and that's the worst sin in the world, of course, you know. So uh, American uh, white Americans are going to have to get over that and get used to discussing the issue of the Jew question, as I call it, uh, honestly and openly, or they're going to suffer the consequences of Jew supremacy from now on. This article does that this bill does address racism and anti-Semitism and supremacism in other sections, but not here. Here it's only talking about white identity terrorists. The other sections have to do with right. employees of the armed forces. So it, it in that aspect they're they're trying to root that out of the armed forces and implement programs that address that within the armed forces. So it does mention those things in the bill. Fortunately, or, or or perhaps it would be better if they came out with it blatantly because we know that they mean it. It's it's those things specifically are not mentioned in this section of the bill. There's no mention of anti-Semitism. Right. It's only white identity terrorism. So, so anybody that advocates for whites is a terrorist, in their opinion. It it says nothing about <laughs> yeah, yeah, white that's, advocacy. That's pretty simple. Well, this is. I'm going to publish the text of this section of the bill with this 
presentation when I posted at Chris Degenia this evening. But I will also post a copy of the entire bill. And it, it's, well, it's 1,480 pages, right? It, it's burdensome to, to even go through the titles. There are so many section titles. But it might be of interest to at least some of our readers. I, I think it's important. I don't, how much, do you remember white identity language from the 2012 bill? Because I never had a chance to read it. No, I don't remember any white identity language at all from the 2012 bill. So that's all been developed, I, I guess, from the, the the white nationalist support for Donald Trump when he ran against Hillary, who, who was their their holy yeah. calf, and, and the Trump administration itself. But they identify white yeah, identity so my, terrorists. My studies in this. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, from yeah, my my from what I've been able to, to glean from studying this issue about why there there was this uh, anti-white language in the 2021 bill, uh, and it was not in the 2012 bill. Is over that period of nine years, there are two things that have happened uh, that have changed the uh, changed the landscape, and one of them was the Trump presidency. Uh, whether or not uh, you know Trump is, is <laughs> pro-white or not, we know the answer to that. He is perceived by the enemy as being pro-white. Yes. And the second thing was Charlottesville. That Charlottesville scared the living daylights out of the left, the Jew-dominated left. Uh, so Trump's Trump's support among whites, the white middle and working class, his election, and Charlottesville has changed the landscape, and that's why we now have all this anti-white language uh, in this bill and other bills. And that's why you have Senate and House committees dealing with the you know, problem of white uh, white identity terrorism and all that. It's just a new landscape that we're facing now. And I think the, the mo- monster has thrown off its mask and is now becoming visible to a lot of white people, whereas eight or nine, ten years ago, most whites had no idea that they were so hated. Now they're re- beginning to realize that they are the most hated people on the planet. Well, well, absolutely. I pray they do realize that because the fact has always been a fact that whites are the most hated people on the planet yeah, by right. every other race and, and especially by the international Jews who have only sought to exploit that's right. and, and get everything they can from us before they destroy us, which is their end game. That That's, that's right. very clear well, yeah, throughout that's, recent that's history. That's what parasites do. Yes. Yeah, parasites suck their host dry and then go on to another host. And, and so if, it, you're, if you're the host and you have parasites on you, you've got two, you've got two courses. You can leave them on and let them suck you dry and die, or you can get rid of them. It's that simple. That they've been able to exert so much influence and and to portray us as being so evil that they could get away with virtually anything in in public things that would be unheard of fifty years ago. One thing I'm I'm going to reference oh, yeah. before we finish this segment of, of this program, one of the Facebook co-founders just, I think this week, announced a no-buy list that he was going to try to, or that he's 
proposing a an official no-buy list that's published to all the companies on the Internet, which has, just like the federal government's no-fly list, which has a list of names of dissidents, political dissidents, and when I say dissident, I mean dissidents against the Jewish agenda, and he wants this list published in every company so that when people try to do business with the company, that list is checked and their business is accepted or rejected based on their political or religious beliefs and affiliations. And, and they could talk about this openly and receive no criticism from anyone in the mainstream. Then, of course, they're going to get away with it. Of course. Of course. Well, you know, the old saying that uh, sometimes uh, the wolf has to come right to your front door in order to wake you up. This is the kind of thing that will affect people on a daily basis in their everyday lives that will help to wake them up. Yes, it will cause them some pain and suffering, but people are resilient and people find a way to get around things. And if we are thrown back on each other in our own local communities, instead of dealing with these people, financing our own destruction, as it were, in the long run, we may have to go through some hard times, but that will be better for our long-term future than it will continuing to do business with companies that eventually would like to destroy us and, you know, take everything we have. So this may backfire on them. I pray. I pray it does. I, 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 I'd like to I do too. change the subject, and, and it's not really changing the subject. It's only speaking about the inevitable outcome, right? This speech at Pastor John Weaver, and, right. and I like Pastor Weaver, even though he's not an identity Christian. He, he has a, a very deep knowledge of Southern history, and, and especially the history of the 19th century and the war of northern aggression. He has an expert knowledge of many of the key figures in that war. And he's a very interesting man to listen to in in that respect, but he's not an identity Christian. He has a blind spot there, a serious blind spot. But other than that, he's an excellent man. I have no qualms about him. I have nothing that I could possibly say bad of him. And he was very interesting to listen to. His presentation at the Florida State Conference this month insists that Christians have a right, have have not only a right to succeed from this federal government, the federal government is plain evil. It, It destroys innocent civilians overseas on a routine basis in, in their foreign wars, which are fought not for the defense of the United States or any American interests. Those wars are fought solely for the defense of international corporations and Jewish interests. So aside from that, the government advocates abortion and, and it has, it has, even though it started with, with um, early term abortion, not now government agencies are advocating 
advocating abortion right up to the moment of birth, that it should be legal, that you should legally be able to destroy and murder your children. It, it's this homosexual agenda and it's homosexual. It's not going to stop at gay marriage. And we've seen that with the entire tranny craze and, and Joe Biden himself insisting that men who identify as women should be able to live their lives as women and, and engage in women's athletics and, and all sorts of nefarious sinful acts that the government today not only advocate not not only makes allowable but advocates and endorses and the government has become the leading advocacy agency for sodomites now where united states yeah. Councils and diplomatic installations all over the world are flying these gay pride flags now, openly, in the face <laughs> of yeah, absolutely. countries where more traditional values are still respected. We have these gay fly pride flags flying right in their faces, like rubbing in, like imposing sodomy on, on people abroad. It's incredible. It's so blatant, well, the the sinful state into which oh, our federal government evil. has fallen. Yes. So, so well, I think well, Pastor Weaver Bill, is right. You know, you know as well as I do. Yeah, he, you know, he, he's, he's right to point all these things out. But look, this country has gotten so evil that everything that we are facing today is probably less than we deserve from the hands of a wrathful and just God. Exactly. And that's where I was heading with this. Yes, sir. I agree. I, I think that's the one we blind spot. We deserve. Christians have an obligation to succeed from an evil government. And Weaver is correct about that. The blind spot is that yes. the biblical teaching is that tyrannical government is a punishment from God. Some of the language in the King James yeah. Version of Romans chapter 13 is ambiguous, but Paul was clearly teaching that tyranny is a punishment from God, and that when we're subject to tyrannies, it's because we're being punished by God, and we must clean up our own houses first. We must repent of our own sins first. And only then shall we be able to throw off the shackles of tyranny. A sinful people don't deserve much better than to suffer under tyranny, as you just said in different words. So, so yeah, that's right. It's almost like we're being, it's almost like we're being ruled by uh, a modern day Ahab and Jezebel. Exactly. And, and their names are Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. And deservedly so. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right, and deservedly so. We are getting exactly what we deserve for our lack of faith and our lack of diligence and our lack of courage. So, so my point is that when we, when, when we preach secession, we, we must always have on our minds the necessity for, of, of the recognition of sin and repentance. That, that's, the two have to go hand in hand, or they're never going to, we're never going to succeed to secede. Without that, that that's Bill. I don't, Bill. I, I I don't think I've heard it put better than what you just said. You know, there there's a two step process here: repentance and then secession. Yes, sir. I believe so. That's it. 
Well, thank you, sir. I, I hope that this podcast was informative. I believe it will be. I believe people will find value in it. I pray they listen to it, and I pray that our listeners who can, who are in the South, think about coming to our national conference next month. Ah, uh, that would make me very happy to see some of the Christagenia uh, uh, audience out there uh, to show up in central Alabama next month. Uh, that would make me a very happy man. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being here. It's been a pleasure. Well, always my pleasure. Always my pleasure. And hopefully I have you on perhaps in October or, or so. Be, and I'll, I'll try not to let it slip for four more months. <laughs> it, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, let's uh, let's do this before I have. Yeah, let's do this before I have to go to Charlottesville in late October. Yes, sir. That'd be wonderful. So we'll shoot for two months from now. All right. Thank you. All right. Praise Thank you, Bill.